You're explaining the, what, what actually is the uh, Protection of Personal Information Act um, and how that relates yeah. to us as individuals. Mm -hmm. So what I heard you saying is that as an individual, I have certain rights. And yeah. uh, this particular act serves to protect those rights. My name, my address, my, um, all of those things that make me who I am. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anything that I can pick up and I'm able to identify and links me back to you, that's personal information. So I can identify it. So the minute I pick it up and put on my phone, oh, this is Dion. I know it's Dion. Your name and your surname, your ID number, you know. So the forms that require us to complete our ID numbers and, and just add them in there is, yeah. So it, it goes to protect that personal information together with your personal um in person information or special actually rather right. special information and that relates to um your medical history right and that needs to be protected yeah so right. it, it really stretches far but also it's not just mainly individuals like you and, my, and myself it's also it's extended to juristic persons so the organization that we affiliate ourselves with the organization that we interact with on the daily really so that's what um, it also seeks to protect um, so but it's does it seek to protect the organization itself or it seeks or it's does the act seek to protect us from the organization if if i understand that correctly yeah yeah so you see the thing here's the thing about um popia is that consumer protection act right protects the consumer right the, the act is yeah the, the citation of the act is quite self-explanatory and then the popia seeks to protect personal information personal information of natural individuals being yourself and myself and personal information of juristic persons so for instance as an entity you've got financial statements some are published and made known to the public and some are kept obviously within the organization because they're confidential so it's that protection as well that's right so it, it, it affords protection on both scales. So it's not that we're being protected against the organizations <laughs> <laughs> or that the organization will be protected against us. It's a matter of we're protecting all natural and juristic individuals in South Africa and also even the people that you interact with outside of our borders. Right. The fact that they are processing, and that's what the act means, that's what the act entails. It's like processing, which is, collecting which is storing which right. is uh, deleting any of your personal information so it protects right. all its eleven citizens even companies registered within the country and it protects that personal information as well well wow, that's very so it's like it and the reason why i'm so excited about it as well dion what i forgot hashtag popia day and the reason why <laughs> is um today first of july 2020 is the commencement date of the act now the oh, act wow, has been today. yeah oh, today wow. thank you president happy, <laughs> happy Papier day yes so um uh, earlier in the week last week the president signed um the act sort of commencement date because it was promulgated in 2013 and we've nice. been waiting for it um, in that, in the interim, the information regulator was appointed in September 2016, and 
she's drafted um, regulations, which in essence help us to carry out the spirit of the act itself. Right. So, um, yeah, so finally we get a commencement date, which is today, July 2020. Okay, But, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, Googs, um, mm. so let's take it back a little bit, right? So the act was introduced or, uh, in 2013. Yeah. Um, what happened before that in terms of protecting personal information? Um, just to, I don't want to oversimplify it, and we'll talk about why our personal information is so important and so important yeah. to protect. But what happened before 2013? So before 2013, there were several laws that would protect the um, personal information. And it's really, it's, it's, it's sort of referenced in different acts in different ways, all dependent on what is being right. collected. So one of the discussion that we had um, prior to this is about the Consumer Protection Act. Within the Consumer Protection Act, the personal information, well, it's not defined as personal information, but it's referred to as confidential information is protected in that act. So even our commercial agreements, or just agreements in general, there's normally a section, confidential information, which you need to protect. And many are probably know this, but the non-disclosure agreement, the NDA, that everyone yes. signs before we yeah. even discuss any form of business. <laughs> <laughs> that is signed. And in there, there is a confidential information provision that you, right. whatever information I disclose to you, in pursuit of a, an additional or another relationship or agreement that we might enter into, we're sussing each other out, right, when we sign NDAs. And so when we sign that um, in there, it protects that confidential information. So this act has gone a step further and said, what now we're protecting personal information, being your name, your surname, your telephone number, your ID. So it really, the two should actually be applied in tandem because one focuses holistically and then Poppya just goes and zooms right in and says, I, I, this I is exactly what I really appreciate doing. that about the act as well, from what you're saying. It sort of zones in, uh, focuses on That's right. my personal information. And um, mm -hmm. so there aren't any loopholes. So there's not sort of like a blanket cover, you know, that, 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 that covers everything. And when you do that, you, you can have loopholes you know, for people yeah. who well, are looking for. Yeah, uh, like the it, it it aims to do that, to make sure that it covers all forms of personal information. And that's why the act goes in great lengths to define what is personal information, what is special personal information. And you'll see that there's always a duplicate. Um, it duplicates from one definition to the next. So it, it seeks to cover everything. Hopefully there's no loopholes. We yeah. will only establish where there's loopholes once we start enforcing it in the courts. To, you know, when it gets challenged to say, mm, is there a loophole? There's no loophole. So case law will really guide us as to what, if there is a loophole or not. But I, I, I doubt it because um, if you look even at the pandemic and the regulations that flowed from the DMA, the Disaster Management Act, you know, the, the tr contact tracing that was implemented, particularly yes. for, you know, the departments of health, yeah? Yes. Um, in there, it stipulates that you need to protect, and it, 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 it literally copies and pastes some provisions of the Popia Act in terms of protecting, safeguarding, and processing of personal information. And that also 
includes discarding or destroying of that information once you've used it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 utilized in a lot of acts, and I think this act seeks to say, okay, it's been mentioned in this uh, legislation, this statute. Now let's bring it together and have one statute. Yeah. It and um, so yeah, that's what it it, it seeks to do. Gooks, I have to say, from what you're explaining to me about Papua, uh, I'm mm. pretty impressed with us as a country. That yeah. We are putting something like this in place to protect an individual's right uh, to right. their information. That's talk right. Talk to me about the, in, well, talk to me about, uh, do other countries have a similar act? Um, yeah. Yeah. Could you shed some light? No, definitely, definitely. Um, I can say, unfortunately, we're not the only country that has this law. <laughs> I must say. Um, but there's a lot of other countries that have it. One that is probably known to many is the European Union's um GDPR. So it's General Data Protection Regulation, right? And um, you've got that and then in just in the african jurisdiction we've got um nigeria has a regulation protecting personal information kenya has a regulation as well an act and if memory serves me correctly i think theirs is already in effect and it was earlier this year namibia has one and um several other countries and upcoming as well like brazil has one india has one um regulation protecting that personal information and so it's 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 talking to some um consultants and so forth it's um comparing popia to gdpr one of the stock nuances between the two is that gdpr focuses on the individual so if you as an entity are processing european citizens um information gdpr will apply to you right and and that's where it stops whereas popia takes it a step further and says even a business even a registered entity would also be protected by us so they need to you need to protect their information as well but there are several laws that try and protect personal information of its citizens or even um when it's abroad as well right very good yeah. very good um, so what i wanted to ask you is um so we have this law uh that's yeah. been um uh, passed uh, yeah I have a sense that in terms of collecting information many of us mm-hmm. you me everyone I know spends a ton of time on the internet all right mm-hmm. um, and a ton of information is being collected from us sometimes unknowingly you know whenever we sort of opt in for stuff um you know on your phone um oh, you know there's SMSs <laughs> Google probably knows like what I had for dinner. actually they do know what I had for dinner because I put it out on the internet right exactly um, yeah so how does the, does the act apply to to that information collecting that information and if so how does it protect me like uh, yeah sure um so Dion one of the things that Papier has brought in and um building to my answer to you i just want to go to you know when you receive that sms from some company because there's a sale on their product some product right. is on sale right yeah. you get that sms get 50% on clinique foundation yeah. mascara or facial you know um yeah. wash so when you get that sms if you look at it it says sms stop 
to opt out, right? And that's what the CPA has brought, where CPA is more of, I'm going to send you the communication, I'm going to collect your information until you tell me to stop, right? Mm. And that's the opt out. Whereas in Popia, it's more of an opt in. So Popia says, Dion, I've received your information and I am going to process it for, um, let's say, take lot, for instance. Um, that's all I'm going to process it for, right? Can I do that? And I get your consent. Then if I want to process it further to say, can I directly market to you when I have specials? And just then they need to also get consent from you for that. So what wow. Papia is bringing is the element of consent. What the, whatever information you gather and the processing. So processing could be anything, right? It could be either direct marketing. It could be either like a consumer um, market research that you, you, you're conducting, right? Um, I need to get your consent. Mm. So if you can remember between CPA and Popia is that CPA is an opt-out. So I send it to you, but opt-out, and only then will I stop. Well, I stop right? Right. right. Yeah. And Popia is, Dion, I really want to send you this thing. Can I get your consent? Can you give me consent? And you're like, mm, okay, I will. So when you look at, um, and, and, and I'm not an IT specialist at all, <laughs> and a disclaimer to everybody, <laughs> this is not legal advice. Please, I'm just sharing pointers of something that's very close to my heart. Um, but when you look um, online, you get cookies that obviously track. And you notice, will you allow or you will not allow? So that's a form of consent. So if you, mm. if you pay attention and if you read the fine print of all these agreements and T's and C's, which we hardly look at because we wanted to purchase a product as opposed to look, reading the fine print, but in there you consent that your information is going to be utilized for future processing. And that could be direct marketing or let's say if you're in the in events um, industry that could possibly be used for conferences you know advertising on conferences upcoming conferences or deals so that's where it, it's, it's going to be a bit tricky because now you're going to have to get consent for close to almost everything that you do with right. the information that you have because right. you need the data subject as the act calls it which is just you and I or a company needs to know that you're safeguarding their personal information. What about companies yeah. that sell personal information? Because I know that there are, company, there are businesses yeah. that really take information, collect it, and then sell it off. Um, how does the act, uh, does the act protect me from, from them? And uh, what happens to that particular model? Well, you know, a lot of the things need to be tested in the courts. So that is one thing that already when I heard it come through and, and it was published, I thought, yes, this I want to know. Because a lot of people are making business from that where you unsell either a, um, book debts or whatever the case may be. And then a, a certain company will call you to say your uh, a subscription fee or some amount is outstanding or due and therefore they they would call you, and but they would have already bought that information. So right. it's quite inter it's interesting to see how the information regulator is actually going to to address and actually manage that or combat any sale of personal information to someone else to make a business. So I'm, I'm yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting times ahead, and to see what the information regulator will do in re in relation to those um, that kind of. So I'm at present. Um, 
Papier hasn't been tested in court. There are no uh, legal mm -hmm. matters. Uh, and no well, one has taken is. Yeah. Yes and no, and I'll tell you why. Um, so the act itself has been promulgated, like I said, since 2013, right? And only, and that was the administrative provisions, and that was like the setting up of the information regulator, the drafting of the regulations. So we have that in place. Um, so now, uh, with the commencement date being the first of July 2020, it means we have 12 months to get our act in order to align to the requirements and the principles of Popia. So right. as from the 1st of July, 2021, it's enforceable and the regulator can definitely enforce. So no, it hasn't yet been enforced because the act hasn't allowed or the, the act hasn't allowed the regulator to enforce those provisions and take right. people to book. However, um, in discussions with the information regulator is that when there is a data breach, they have been investigating. So I'm not quite sure if you remember the time when Liberty had a data breach. And, um, yeah, so there was a data breach, and there's been several data breaches actually in South Africa which have been brought up to the regulator's attention, and they are investigating. So they're investigating from the point of um, it is it's morally correct to protect personal information, and if there is a breach, then we, there's a concern we have to then attend to it. And I just can't remember the matter now or the case now, but there was a breach in South Africa where they had to pay a ransom. They wanted a ransom in return or exchange of the personal information. So the regulator has been functioning and to some extent trying to enforce, you know, some provisions of the act, but they're not yet enforceable. So you can definitely challenge um, the attempts of the information regulator to right. enforce the provision of the Pobia okay. because technically there's no law that you are, are trying to implement and only administrative provisions of it, yeah. uh, which is your appointment and setting up of your office are permitted and the regulations, but not that you are going to now um, enforce the, the various processing conditions as the act says, there's about eight of them. Um, so yeah, you could definitely raise that. Um, but going forward, I'm sure we'll see um, yeah. the, the act coming to action and uh, we'll see probably it being tested as well in court. Um, what has been the general reaction to the act from corporates generally? What would you say has been the uh, reaction and, yeah. and that sort of thing? Well Corporate um, welcomes, in my view, that corporate welcomes the act. At the same time, it does require a lot of work from corporate. And um, you see things like the act imposing or uh, placing an obligation on the corporates to have a complaints uh, process, right? So a lot of corporate will have your consumer complaints where right. you've got a product or a service is, is, is not good quality, right? And I'll complain like, listen, Dion. Um, I don't like the following water. The water tastes funny. You didn't say this tastes funny. Oh, I found something in it, right? That's a consumer line. But what the act says is that if I feel, so if someone else calls me and I said, where did you get my number from? And they said, no, I got it from Dion. Mm. And that's what the act is also pushing people to, uh, pushing um, consumers to you have the right to ask, where did you get my information from? Right. You know, so if, they, if I say, okay, I got it from Dion, then I can definitely uh, complain and say, Dion, there's been a data breach. You've either given it to them um, willingly or there's been a data breach. So then I need to complain. So there, you need to then monitor that, right? And then you also need to, as corporate, um, have various things like information classification, right, matrix, 
And in essence, what that is, is an inventory of all the information that you're collecting. Wow. Where, what's the source of that information? Where are you storing it? What is the purpose for, that in, for you collecting that information? Hasn't been utilized for that particular purpose? Or have yes. you gone even further? And if you have gone any further, where is the consent? Right. So wow. that's the regulator. Where is the, where's the consent? Where is this? So they want to know that the data subject, wherever they're sitting, they understand that they've consented to their information being um, shared or processed, either shared within a department, within an organization, or with external parties. And that's where the third-party um, due diligence comes in. Because I think a lot of us, right, and even as corporate, you have external parties who who would process information on your behalf, right? Right. And so that also calls that you must make sure that your third party actually have uh, processes to safeguard that information. And one of the things or two is that make sure there's encryption, right? Mm. In the information that you collect, yeah. And secondly, limit access. So if there is a workflow um, that needs to be implemented where Dion, I need access to this folder which has personal information, I then grant you, then you are controlling it and then you can grant me access. So wow. it's that's pretty there's a lot to it. There's really a lot to it, particularly if the, um, there's a lot of, if, if, if an organization is, is, is really a large organization and you're processing personal information of your suppliers, consumers, um, it's really going to, it's, it's a quite a task, I must say, a tedious task, but it's I'm welcomed. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from, from a consumer side, uh, you know, especially if I'm dealing with a company, and, what, and this is what I hear you saying, yeah. is that if I'm dealing with you, and even if I give you my personal information, even if I opt in and say, hey, yeah. you're welcome to send me marketing, you're welcome, uh, I'm interested in your product, et cetera, et cetera, uh, there is a responsibility on your part to protect my information, number one. That's right. That's so right. I, I guess would, consent would be number one, protection of that particular information, number two, and not... Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously not uh, abusing that information absolutely absolutely and and also the um it's it's a case of that you know you as a as a consumer as well need to make sure that when you give consent you give consent to the right people for the right things and remember what you gave consent for because the last thing i want is i've consented to you inviting me to a conference and then the next thing you're calling me to come buy some telecommunication network is calling me and you gave it to them uh, <laughs> No, 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 that's not what I consent is to. So definitely consent is paramount in Papua and that there's a safeguard. Um, so you need to safeguard that information as well. But it's, it goes for all of us, right? And so you question the copies of ID copies that are lying around. Ooh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be yeah. very, very interesting. Wow. wow. We go Incredible. Google says lots of love for you in the comments. Lots of love. Um, and I really like this one, and I want to touch on this. Um, yeah. Someone says, I really don't like uh, direct marketing. Uh, <laughs> and hopefully... <laughs> talk talk yeah. about direct marketing, okay? Um, yeah. how does, what recourse do I have as an individual uh, if I find that my personal information um, is being... Uh, number one, maybe it was obtained without my consent. Um, and maybe number two, even if I did give my personal information, maybe I found that um, my information is being abused. What recourse do I have and how do I go about 
navigating um, navigating that? So, um, firstly, the the act itself has regulations, right? Um, and the regulation is the how to implement this act. And in those regulation, it sets out exactly lodging your complaint. Now, you can lodge the complaint as a form there, um, and more than welcome to go there and just and, and look at uh, the act and its regulations. And the re the form there says completed, and you submit it either to the defaulting party, right, who is in breach of your consent, if I could put it like that, and also you can escalate it through to the information regulator because that's what they deal with. They deal with complaints. So mm. it, 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 it's even the, the point of call if you feel like, mm, Dion, you're not doing enough to protect my personal information. And mm. now there's repeated breaches that I, I, I'm picking up. As a result, I'm going to report you to the information regulator. And they have investigators. Granted, their staff complement is quite thin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... um. They would then um, attend to breaches, um, breaches of any data privacy. Yeah. So would the regulator be very similar to sort of um, an ombudsman that sort of setup? Well, there hasn't been an ombudsman setup as yet. So your regulator would be, um, how can I put it? Like not your your insurance companies have an insurance ombudsman. That's where you'd go to complain that your insurer hasn't uh, really handled your claim well right yep. here you go straight to the regulator there is no ombudsman that I i'm aware of right. yeah um it's, it's we still have to see how the information regulator is going to develop itself and, and and evolve because um they were appointed in 2016 right and they've got a short term which is um set to end next year so it's, it's quite like you've got a year in which people um organizations and um need to comply with the year i mean with the uh, the act and then six months to try and enforce that act, and then your term is over. So it's interesting times ahead because we've had it in draft and we've only had the administrative provisions, right, um, enacted or promulgated. And so we're really going to see now how it's, uh, it's tested in the courts. It's similar to the Consumer Protection Act. A lot of people had questions about it, like, how do we even implement this? And there's a lot of provisions within the Consumer Protection Act that we still need to test in the courts um, because it's, we've never really had situations like that. So it's interesting times ahead. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, Googs, I want to change direction slightly. You know, initially yeah. when I reached out to you and I said, hey, I'd love to chat to you. Uh, one of the things that I really thought that was very important is that Often, law or contracts and uh, the CPA and all of these things can get really mm. difficult to understand. I mean, a perfect example would be terms and conditions, right? You know, it's yeah. multiple pages. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's <multiple> intentional. <laughs> <laughs> right. Why I'm do kidding now. Why <laughs> do you do this to us? <laughs> No, it's not like, yeah, so proceed, Dion, sorry, yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I wanted to get your view. And uh, I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but can you give us some handles? How do we, how do we, um, how do we look at contracts? What, what, what are some of the things that we should be looking out for? Are there uh, maybe five ideas? I don't know. 
you know, uh, are there anything that we could just it make sense of it? Because it's so difficult. Yeah, I, I, I think you're when it's quite a daunting exercise, actually, when you look at them, like you said, the terms and conditions, and what we say is that the fine print, right? <laughs> <laughs> to read that fine print, and it's like paragraph on paragraph and pages and pages, just reams of pages. But in essence, these terms and conditions are, are, are very important because it regulates and it, it echoes, right, what our initial agreement is. What is the, it, it, it has to um, reflect the meeting of the party. So when we agree that you, I'm going to sell you this glass, right, Dion, we need to agree that we need to agree on the specifications, you need to agree on the, and the remuneration of consideration for that, that exchange. And so the T's and C's is exactly that. It seeks to outline the relationship between the parties. So once you've got your agreement, the first thing for me I, I, I would um, advise is go look at your obligations and look at your performance. What is expected of you mm -hmm. and what is what are you expecting from the other party? And that oh. needs to reflect your intention, the meeting of the month. What did you guys agree to? So I cannot say in our agreement that we agree that I'm going to give you this glass and then in the agreement that I'm going to give you a shoe. Mm. That, that doesn't make yeah. sense, right? Right. Similar to, um, and I'll just uh, touch on the CPA, the promotional competition that we all enter, right? The T's and C's should stipulate to you that when, this is, this is the um, a competition, this is how you enter, right? This is how you, you, you'll, you submit your entries, and this is what you stand to win if you perform the following tasks. And that's exactly what an agreement is, uh, terms and conditions are, is what are your obligations and what are the other party's obligations, right? And the performance, what is your KPIs, your key performing indicators or areas within that um, agreement? Because the minute you don't perform in accordance to your agreement, you're technically in breach. Right. Right? So you yeah. need to know what is expected of me and what am I expecting from you, Dion, in terms of the agreement? And that's what we sign, right? Yeah. Um, and so you look at what your obligations and your performance, and then afterwards, I would normally move to your um, liabilities. What am I going to be liable for if I don't perform? Yeah. Right. So if there's a breach, what is the consequence of that breach? This is what the consequence is the breach. And a lot of the times, the agreements are crafted in such a manner that there's a remedial period for you to um, remedial period for you to be able to rectify okay. or remedy that breach. So it could be a case of, listen, Dion, you haven't performed. According to the contract, I can I give you 20 days in which to remedy that breach or fix it. And then you have 20 days to do that. Failure to do that, then it's terminated. So we just wow. terminate the entire agreement. So look at your obligations. Look at your liabilities, right? And ensure that you understand I know it can be a bit daunting. And I know there's a lot of agreements, right? Yeah. And a lot of provision actually in one agreement. But it's really important that whatever the T's and C's or whatever the parties have agreed to, um, as we discuss, and a lot of the times it's very informal, right? Um, mm. But whatever we've discussed, that it's, it's, it's correctly recorded in your agreement. And also I would stress that can we please have written agreements? Because we can have verbal agreements yeah. 
yeah. right? But explicit agreements is written agreements, and this is because right now you and I could be entering a business, right? And because we're friends, we're very. Oh no, I know Dion. Yeah. Dion knows me. We're good. It's sort of like a honeymoon kind of stage, right? Yeah. And um, so what then you do is let's just have an agreement in writing in the event that something goes wrong down the line. That's all it is. Yes, right. I can hold you to your word, right? But I'm still gonna have to drag you to court and get affidavits to say on this day, this is what happened. We were breaking bread with Dion, and then Dion said this, but now he's not doing it anymore. It just right. takes away that pain. So if mm. it's in writing, oh, so much easier. It is yeah. so much easier. Yeah. Because for to a second, be... you actually made T's and C's interesting, and I was excited. <laughs> about it. But that moment's passed, right? But, <laughs> but I hear you. I hear you. Uh, what you're saying is super important. You know, you. Clear lines of communication is super important for any relationship, exactly. and more so when you're in business or when you are uh, requiring services that you are paying yeah. for. Okay. Yeah. And so I, I heard you say obligations. That's so important. If you know what is required, and if I yeah. know what's required, then you know if that's very clear. And I think that's a great thing about a contractual agreement is that it's in writing. You can always yeah. go back to the contract and say, "These are my obligations. This is what is required of me, or this is what I am paying for." So exactly. because I'm paying for that, that's what I need to get back. And if you're not giving me what I paid for, then you are actually in in breach of that particular contract. Exactly. And according to that contract, because you're in breach. These are my remedies. I can take you to court, or I can force you to perform to say I want that delivered um, to my house, let's say, for instance. So you then understand what your obligations are in the agreement, but you also understand what your rights are with that agreement. To say, right. no, I do actually have a right to take you to book and, and and question you and hold you accountable for this agreement. So definitely, because agreements can be concluded verbally and in writing. So. Just because it was verbal doesn't mean it doesn't create a, um, a, an agreement, a concrete agreement. But it's advisable. Well, my advice to you, or just my recommendation, Dion, is make sure it's in writing. It makes it so much easier. Should anything go wrong, I hear you. I it hear makes you. it so much easier. Yeah, and also other things to look at is a dispute resolution where you and I don't agree, right? What is our recourse? Do we go automatically? And sometimes it's not a matter that you breached. It could be a case that we now don't agree on a performance of a specific activity, right? And so we say, okay, when there is a dispute between the parties, what do we then do? Do we hold off a, a cool off for about maybe say six months or a week or two days, and then come back again, regroup? What's going on? Let's amend. Let's vary this. Let's change that. Let's delete that. But you then need to have that. So the one pager, four bullet item, um, le uh, documents. No, Leah, <laughs> yeah. stay yeah. away from that because I know it's a lot, particularly when you you don't have a legal background, and yeah. uh, sometimes the legalese can get to you. But yeah. just have an open mind about it to say, okay, what am I supposed to do in relation to this um, agreement, yeah. and what am I should should I be expecting from the other party? And it should reflect what we've agreed to, yeah. so that should anything happen down the line, you can then 
definitely um, have an agreement to fall back on. Yeah, what well. I hear you saying is uh, rather be pragmatic in a situation yeah. like that. You know, have a clearness in terms of what is required. Exactly. Um, I want to go back to contracts, um, you know, that mm. sort of thing. So obviously it's very difficult for someone like me who's not, uh, doesn't have a law background, you know. Uh, say I want to hire someone to fix a leaking roof. Yeah. Um, can I write my own contract? And if I can, what are some of the important things that I need to consider when writing that contract? I heard obligation, I heard liability, and mm. I heard defining what a breach is. Is there anything else I should be cognizant of when writing a contract? Um, yeah. One of the things, um, Dion, is ensure that the contract is with the right party. Ensure the details are correct. Because the last thing, yeah, the last thing you want to do is write a contract, and it's supposed to be with Dion, but then it's actually not with Dion. It's gone and it's either with Swungseni, Swusiso, or what have you. It needs right. you need to know who you are entering into an agreement with. I can't like I think it was one of the guys or one of the girls. You know, it must be very clear as to who you enter into an agreement with. Mm. And um, then you also need to understand, is it a, you know, now you get into the technicalities of, are they a sole proprietor? Are they a PTY limited? Is it a trust? And if there's a trust, so there's a lot of facets to it um, mm. that you need to enter into. But over and above what we've touched on in terms of performance and obligation, make sure that you enter in the agreement with the right entity and the right parties. To, um, and if it's because it might be a case of you're not necessarily entering into agreement with the holding company, um, you're entering into agreement with a subsidiary, right? Ensure that you, you're able to link them. So you, you can oh. be able to draw that link to say, okay, this subsidiary company that I'm so-called working with is linked to a, a the group company. And therefore, that's how you are together. And also that Dion is authorized to enter into this agreement. Because that's another thing that you can be brought as a, a counter argument to say that this individual is not authorized to enter into agreements on behalf of the company, on behalf of yourself, let's say, for instance. Yeah. So it's like Ollie is not necessarily authorized and with the right age to enter into an agreement of her right. own. She needs your guidance as her mm. guardian, as her parent. So it would be at add that um, to the, the agreement to say the parties, the obligations, exactly what we've touched on and ensure that you've set it out in terms of when there is a breach. Is it immediate termination? Is it not immediate termination? And if you want to make provision for renewals um, and stuff like that. And one more thing, because you're touching on uh, services, so goods and services are all governed by the CPA because the CPA protects the consumer and it's, it protects the relationship of a supplier providing goods and services to a consumer. In terms of the act, it says, as a consumer, you have a right to good quality, fair products. Mm. So if it's not good quality, according to the CPA, I can definitely say you're in, you're in breach of the contract and also you're in breach of the CPA. So you mm. get double remedy. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm going to... Google, the next time I need to go return something, listen, yeah. you're coming with me, right? <laughs> you, you're coming with me. I'm, I'm just going to defer to my attorney 
who's going to help me with this return. <laughs> I charge, Dion. I charge like a wounded buffalo. <laughs> I charge, charge. But I'm happy. I'm happy to just give give you a tickle of like, okay, not a problem. Just guide you. So it's one of those things. And another thing that people should benefit from from CPA is the return policy. I know a lot of the uh, stores say you must return it in if there's an item you don't like. Return in thirty days. The act says it's six months. You've got wow. six months to return that item. So the act makes provision to say it's either you get re- you get refunded for it, it must be replaced, or you return it. Yes, of so course. So six months. Yeah, I've had a fight with some of the stores <laughs> when they say you've got thirty days. I'm like, no, 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 no. According to CPA, I've got more days, but yeah. Then I just leave. Yeah. <laughs> just I can just imagine you doing a little dance in the shop. Yeah, I try, and then my sister cuts me off. She said, "No, we're not having this. Not, yeah. not in public." <laughs> and then I'm like, "Okay, just yeah. leave. Just leave. Yes. Okay, just leave the shirt on the counter. We're walking out of here. If you don't like it, I'll wear it. Don't worry." <laughs> yeah. Sure, good. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. Um, I wanna, I wanna ask you as a last yeah. question. Um, many of us listening to this uh, are possibly uh, one of the contracts that we that we might sign often, or uh, that we are familiar with, are rental contracts. Yeah. You know, either renting us property or renting mm-hmm. a place. Um, mm-hmm. Can you give us some insight? Regarding regarding rental contracts, right? Okay, so with the rental contract, um, also um, related, also protected by the CPA, um, because you are providing a, a product, right? You're providing your property, so it's definitely with the CPA. Um, with the rental one, obviously know what you're paying. <laughs> Please don't um, go and say you agree on one amount and it's different. So make sure that your uh, payment is your rental amount is clear. Ensure that the property that is identified in that lease agreement is exactly the property that you will be occupying, and you are given full benefit of it, right? And so, the minute that benefit is is taken away from you, um, it also does tamper with the payment of your rental. Firstly, then um, also ensure that uh, with the rental as well, because it's a lease agreement, there is a duty on you to maintain and keep in a good condition as a tenant, but the landlord, and all of these are are all unique, right? So they they would be unique and subject to the various lease agreements. But more often than not, it is a case that the landlord will take care of the exterior of the property and you will then be responsible to maintain the interior uh, of the property. So going back again to the points that I raised is understand your obligations, what you're supposed to take care of and what um, the landlord needs to take care of, and also what's included in your rental uh, payment. The electricity and water excluded, and that's prepaid, or are they included, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, the upkeep and maintenance of the the property. So that's with the lease agreement, and also you do have, according to the CPA, you've got twenty business days in which to cancel that agreement and walk away. So you don't have to really um, wait a long period of time. But the courts are are normally hold up the agreement because. They understand that when you enter into their agreement, you were fully aware of the terms and conditions and you were fully aware of your obligations on you. And so you sign it fully aware and knowing. So for you to raise that would be, you know, you'd really need to come with a very good argument. But 
you yeah. can definitely cancel an agreement within 20 business days and so yeah for me that would be the the points that i can think of right now I, I relating to the lease agreements yeah, yeah that's, that's as, very as good well as renewal renewal right. because you know sometimes when you'll renew it will um there'll be an increment of about 10% every single year so just be mindful of that and be mindful of your deposits and and so forth right um i like what zeb media says uh once you uh once there's a verbal agreement that is a contract right there uh yeah. you touched on this gooks uh done in sealed documents act as a reminder what what was agreed on you did touch on that and one of the things that you said was verbal agreements do stand up but written agreements you 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 can't you know you can't fight what's said in black and white you know um always yeah. defer your advice is always defer to a written agreement if there's Absolutely. a verbal agreement you'd have to get an affidavit uh you know proving that that was said and yeah. uh, witnesses yes. etc etc so verbal agreements do stand up but i think written documents trump verbal agreements any day of the week absolutely absolutely i think it it's it's a, just a peace of mind dion you know and one yeah. of the provisions within in, in these commercial agreements or t's and c's it's um it's the variation clause and a lot of people sometimes look over it and in essence is if you're wanting to change any provision of the agreement it must be in writing so even an email would be fine or if you if you enter into an addendum an addendum is mainly just to you don't want to replace all the terms and conditions but it's just specific ones that you're wanting to deal with and mm. so then you would then have an addendum and so the a contract can evolve along the years right and so keep that in an addendum or have it in writing and you can always just attach it to that main agreement but yes i would verbal agreements are recognized by our courts i'd say the further to written ones cuz it's, right. it's just much better even yeah. when you fight with yeah. other in court hopefully and you don't get there <laughs> an important one from tommy uh tommy mm. says what happens during this time covid-19 lockdown etc with tenants not being able to pay rent what does the dma stipulate in terms of rents is there a, i mean i can just imagine lots of guys don't have jobs being put off uh, yeah what yeah what do you have for them so um the dma um related caused the following regulation to be issued out and it it deals with that tenants and landlords cannot be evicted during this time and it's as far as it went to be honest um i haven't i haven't come across it making specific reference to rental payment because that is then dealt with at a contractual level and that's where that the clause that I'm telling you that variation clause where you can go to your landlord and say this is what the situation is um it's either you're not getting a raise you are your salary is being cut and so obviously it has a financial impact on you just to negotiate with your landlord because you are then governed your relationship with your landlord is governed by that lease agreement similar to commercial agreements um one of the um discussions i've had was well we've got a building we're renting it out but everyone's working from home so are we entitled to or is it a really obligation to pay the full price and here's the thing is that you've got a lease agreement right and to some extent you're still benefiting from it you've stored your products there so it's your mm. office equipment is there everything is there so but you can then negotiate to say as a person saying i'm not paying any rent for my commercial property 
discuss a lesser percentage because you're not using, you're not enjoying the full benefit of the mm. property right mm. or the premises but you are enjoying a portion of it and you can then discuss that with your landlord to say let's just sit around the table and let's just discuss because I'm, I technically don't have full enjoyment of the property but I know that my stuff and my my product or my property is being stored on your premises can I pay for that maybe Excellent. So, but yeah. So, if, for instance, if you are being charged water and electricity, you can't be charged that if you're not there. It makes mm. it for me it just doesn't make sense. So that's another argument or another point that you possibly could raise to say, but I'm not using the water and I'm not using the electricity, or I'm losing a portion of it. So how surely the rent needs to um, be reflect. reduced? Yeah, reflect exactly. that. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. That's, that's- yeah. A fantastic answer, and I really appreciate you uh, touching on that Absolute as well. Gugu, just wanted yes. to say you are an absolute <laughs> star and a legend. We miss you so much. Come back to Cape Town, leave Johannesburg. <laughs> when it's safe to do so, when it's safe to do so, I will definitely be back, and uh, we can bread, we can break bread in yeah. person with the family, and um, when it's safe. And yeah, I think it's trying times for everyone. Um, and so it's just really to keep strong and yeah. have an open mind. I know it's very, very difficult when you're looking at the stats, you're looking at, um, you know, organizations not performing well and their and their profits and, and so forth, and it's dropping. So I know it looks very bad and bleak, but let's try to keep a positive mind, Dion. Absolutely. Let's just try to keep a positive mind, Dion. Yeah. So you were such a champ. You. Guru, thank you so much once again for chatting to us. Uh, thank you for yes. all the folks that uh, tuned in. Sorry about yes. the cut in transmission. Uh, yes. My apologies for that, but that's technology and that's live streaming for you. Um, just yeah. a word on Breaking Bread. Uh, breaking Bread is an opportunity for me to engage with people that are interesting. Case in point, Google Manyasi. Um, if you are interested in more of these chats, please join me. Next week, yes. um, I generally hold a, a live stream on Mondays and Wednesdays. You can also uh, listen to this content on my podcast, Breaking Bread. It should be up in the next week or so. Uh, with that, I would like to say good evening, everyone, and uh, thank you so much. Thank you. God bless, Dion. Bye. Bye, everyone. Ooh.